Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we're thankful for the salvation that you give us. We're thankful that it's not by our works of righteousness which we have done, but according to your mercy you have saved us. Lord, we ask that you would help us in this worship service, that we would sing these songs to your honor and to your glory. Lord, that we would sing with a heart of full assurance of the finished work of Jesus. And Lord, if there be one here that has yet to know the peace that comes by simply trusting Jesus as a Savior, that today would be the day of salvation in their lives. And Lord, as we struggle through this life, there's not a one of us that has not come in carrying some burden, some weight, some sin, some thing which does so easily beset us. Lord, we pray that you would give us encouragement from your word, from your finished work on Calvary's cross. That we would have the confidence that our service for you does not depend on us, it depends on you. And we ask that you would help us to leave here in faith and in the joy of our Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. The rest of us, let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 90. Psalm 90. And uh, we have a lot of different people in a lot of different places this morning. And I don't know, it is extremely warm on the platform, is it? Fairly warm in the rest of the auditorium. So, uh, hey, Philip, why don't uh, you give Brother Brett a hand there? The window opener is in my office, and we'll just open a few windows here. And uh, You never know what the weather is going to do, and so try to cool it off just a little bit here. There we go. And Psalm 90, today is actually our anniversary Sunday, and we haven't made a a great big deal about that, but we celebrate 27 years since our first service at the Open Door Bible Baptist Church. And uh, our 25th anniversary, two years ago, we were able to have the same speakers uh, that were here on our first service, Uh, Brother Marshall actually didn't preach. Brother Clayton was uh, the preacher, but uh, his family, that's my wife's family, actually provided all the special music, and and we've had them both here several times over our history. And uh, our our church actually has quite quite a story to tell. Now, if we'll just start kind of like the springboard, and then we'll catch the context and try to go through this entire psalm. But verse 9 uh, of Psalm 90, I'm, I'm, yes, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We, we spend our years as a tale that is told. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. And uh, I cannot help, uh, as the pastor, I was... Uh, just starting in the ministry, this is the only church that I have pastored. Uh, we've been here from the very beginning. We're still here, and praise the Lord. And, and by no means have we set any records. A, a dear friend of ours in just a few weeks is going to be celebrating 40 years in the same pulpit, Brother Dan Smith at Buckley Road Baptist Church. And uh, uh, that was quite an accomplishment. I think uh, Brother Thompson was 43 or 44 years at Cleveland Baptist. And uh, we know, I, I know of many preachers that have, not many, but several that have pastored over 50 years. And, and we're just going to trust the Lord for the time frame here. But I can't help but just stop and think about the tale of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church of Astoria. Uh, you're sitting in what we affectionately call the miracle on 35th Street. And uh, if you go to our website, uh, not the whole story, of course. I, I've been encouraged by uh, more than one person says, you've got to write down the story, the miracles, before you're gone, and then nobody will remember. 
And uh, uh, I'm, I'm waiting for a little more leadership on the, uh, the Lord to write down the whole story here. But uh, we, we have seen the Lord work some miracles. And uh, to me, the greatest miracle is not just the purchase of the building. It's the fact of the Union Baptist Church and Greenpoint and Morris Park Bible Baptist Church and Cornerstone Bible Baptist Church and Fleshman's. And uh, I do have, uh, was able to see Brother Hiram at the Buckley Road meeting this week and get a little bit of an update on there. Uh, you need to pray, but uh, they're about this close to being able to do for the church in Shandaken what we are doing for Union to take a spiritual and temporal trusteeship of the church and its properties to keep it open and to keep it moving until there can be enough growth there that the church could sustain itself. So please pray for Brother Hiram. Uh, That would be like having a grandbaby, I think. And and, uh, they're a lot of fun, and I enjoy the grandchildren. Uh, Someone said, uh, I've heard many say, I enjoy the grandchildren more than I did the children. I think the jury's out on that. I'm still enjoying my children and and want to uh, be a part of all of their lives because that's the story. Uh, There's been some dark days. We would uh, not be uh, honest if we did not say there have been some very, very serious struggles along the way, some very dark valleys that our church has had to walk through. Many of of the individual members of our church Lives of the members of our church have gone through great struggle. In fact, uh, the first member uh, of our church, uh, Ken McAvoy and his wife Rose, Brother Ken, had uh, his funeral Tuesday morning. He passed away. Uh, He had not lived here in the city for many years. uh, And most of you would not know him, but uh, in the early days, sometimes it was just Ken and Rose and Peter and Sarah and and Rose would hold... uh, Andrew during the song service because he was just an infant. And now he's six foot four and looking down on everybody. Uh, So things go through the story. And Psalm 90 was actually written by Moses. And has a wonderful uh, uh, message here. And I, I just love that verse that... We spend our years as a tale that is told. I mean, really, when you're all said and done, all that's left is the story. Someone wrote a very nice poem for funerals. He said, on the gravestone you have the date of the birth and the date of your death, and your whole life is just the dash in between. And uh, it's, a, it's a nice little poem if you like those things. Uh, but really... The tale that is told is where God gets the honor and the glory or where we hear stories of the devil getting the victory and we, of course, always hate those kinds of stories. But ultimately, God always gets the victory. When Jesus said the gates of hell should not prevail against his church, he had a twofold meaning. Number one, that no person that ever trusted Jesus as their personal Savior has ever lost their salvation. The devil has never won that battle. He has lost every time and will. Amen. And the second part is, from that day that Jesus spoke those words and formed the first church there on that hillside, to this present day, there's always been at least one true candlestick church, as the book of Revelation defines it, functioning and serving Christ in this world. That church has never faltered. It has never failed. I get so tired of hearing uh, um, uh, when people say, well, the church kind of fell apart in the Middle Ages. No, actually, the true church did not fall apart in the Middle Ages. It kept doing exactly what Jesus had told it to do, though it was a persecuted church. And much of that history is written with the very life's blood of those that believed and professed faith in the 
the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, one of the things that we have to know about history, about any history, is that historians are liars. Uh, you can't trust history. Uh, you have to be very, very careful uh, as you study history. Most of what we know about those that believed in Christ were from the records of their trials before they were put to death for believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you can just imagine that there were all kinds of interesting little details. CNN is nothing new, all right? Uh, the the uh, people who have been creative in their history, uh, my mama called them liars, uh, have been around since the days of Cain and Abel, and they're not going away anytime soon. It is Jesus that is the real keeper of history. And if you just break the word down, it's his story. Amen. And so as we look at Psalm 90 today, I want us to walk our way through here. And I'm going to try to weave in a little bit of the history of our church and some of the things that have happened. And I also want to encourage us that, praise God, we're, we're not here holding a funeral for the Open Door Bible Baptist Church. We're not done yet. Uh, we won't be done until Jesus comes and takes us home. And, and so let's uh, continue. And so as we start in verse 1, let me just read through the psalm. Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Can we say amen to that? Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away, as with a flood, they are as asleep. In the morning, they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning, it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening, it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. So satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us. And the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. This tells us that this is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. And as we've said so many times, as we look at poetry in the Bible, we understand that the Jewish idea was not rhyming words but rhyming ideas. And we're going to go through this and see the contrasting ideas that are in this psalm. First, we are faced with the eternalness, the eternality, the, the omnipresence and omniscience and all of those attributes of God. Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Now, Moses arguably did not have as many generations as we do to talk about, 
But I'll challenge you, just because we have come down the millennia of years from the time that Moses walked the face of this earth till today, this statement is no less true. God is the dwelling place of all who live. You can live in God in rebellion against Him, or you can live in God in obedience to Him. You you make the choice, just as the person who makes something is bigger than what they make, not necessarily in human size. I mean, we can build great spaceships and things, but... uh, Man's mind is still smarter than any computer that we've ever developed. And his ability is greater than any machine. Of course, I cannot physically lift up tons of dirt with one scoop. But the machine, without a man to build it, wouldn't exist. And so the question I like to ask is, what's bigger than the universe? And, of course, it is, our, it is the Creator. Amen? The Bible tells us He spanned out the universe with His hand. You stop and think about that. That He stretched out 13.5 billion light years according to our measure. Like we would stretch out our arms and wrap up an extension cord or paint a wall. God made everything that is out of nothing. I always love love to think about, uh, as people talk about evolution, okay, where did all the nothingness come from that exploded and made everything? And I, I like to issue the challenge. Either you believe in a creator God or you believe in dirt as your God. Because matter had to come from somewhere. And if it didn't come from somewhere, then it is eternally existence, and that is your God. In fact, if you're foolish enough to read the Golden Compass, I think it is, and some of these uh, pseudo-religious works under the name of children's fantasy, the God of those religions is dust and dirt. Uh, At least someone's being a little honest in their understanding, in their estimation of the God of heaven. But I'll tell you, the Bible tells us that He is God from everlasting to everlasting. That we all live in Him and at His pleasure. In verse 3 it says, Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years... In thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night. Now, verse 4 is one of the most elastitized verses in all the Bible. You see, if a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. If we get out our calculators and do the math right, we can get four and a half billion years into six days of creation, right? Wrong. It doesn't work that way. Because God said the evening and the morning were the first day. And the evening and the morning were the second day. But in God's estimation, go back a thousand years. What was going on in 1019 A.D.? Vikings! We're sailing around. They actually were living in Greenland and farming under the ice pack in Greenland. Well, there wasn't an ice pack back then. It was really warm back then. Study your history. Uh, people say, we're all going to die if the ice cap melts. Well, uh, I wasn't there, but they, they survived. Uh, the Vikings were living and, and farming, and we can find their artifacts buried in the ground. Do you realize that in 1000 A.D. I would go through this world blind because they didn't have glasses? I'm thankful. 
I have contact lenses on that allow me to see far, and when I want to see close, I get my readers on. And then I can read, and, and I can see very uh, see clearly. Whereas if I did not have those things, uh, I had to get my DOT physical for my driver's license yesterday, and the guy said, well, what's your vision without your contacts? Uh, 2040, 26, I said, no, 2200. And he, what? I said, I don't see the biggie at the top of the chart. It, it disappeared in the fifth grade, and I haven't been able to find it. And, oh, okay, okay, you need glasses. Yeah, I tried to tell you that. Uh, bright guy. Um, what we have here is God's eternality contrasted with man's frailty. With the temporary, temporal is the actual adjective, existence of mankind. You open the tombs of the ancient and they're full of bones and dust. No one outlives God. You see, in his mind, God sees the end from the beginning. He knows what's going to happen in the future because God does not live inside of time. He is not controlled by time. That's a concept that's really hard for us to comprehend because everything we do is based on time. we got a clock at the back of the auditorium. And if you didn't have a clock at the back of the auditorium, you might not get out of this place. I mean, the preacher likes to preach long. And so uh, I, I put a clock back there, so I'll be careful with the time. Aren't you glad we're not on God's time clock? I tell the story about a man asking God, said, now, Lord, if one year is like a thousand years to you, isn't one dollar like a thousand dollars? God said, yeah. He said, can I have a dollar, God? Yeah, tomorrow. A thousand years from now, won't do you much good. You see, we are faced with the fact that, that verse 3 says, Thou turnest man to destruction. This body is going to go in a grave if the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't come back. And it's going to decay and it's going to disappear. And, and like I said, we open the tombs of the ancient and they're filled sometimes with bone fragments and dust. Unless things have been very well preserved, uh, they're, they're just full of dust. Because that's what happens. It says, Thou carriest them away as with a flood. Reference to Noah's flood. Reference to the Red Sea. They are as asleep in the morning. They are like grass which groweth up. Verses 6 and 7. It flourish and groweth up in the evenings cut down and withereth. It says here, For we are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath are we troubled. Why, why would God be angry with us? Why does he consume mankind in his wrath? Well, this is the second contrast. God is eternal. Man is temporal. God is holy. Man is sinful. The definition of sin is transgression of the holiness of God. That's why the Bible is highly accurate when it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God is so just in His holiness that he cannot allow one sin to go unpunished. And so God has made a place called hell. It is uh, the eventual uh, place of hell is going to be taken and put into the lake of fire. And that is eternity future. If you will understand your scripture correctly, that is the baptism of fire that John the Baptist spoke about. You have a baptism of spirit, of the Holy Spirit, unto eternal life. 
and a baptism in the lake of fire unto eternal death. This is the work of God. God cannot let one sin go unpunished and be perfectly perfect in His justice and in His holiness. That's why verse 8 says, Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of his countenance. I just love the way my pastor put it. He said he knows everything about me, but he still loves me. See, we live in a world where man does everything they can to cover things up. Back in the... 40s and up into the 60s, they began just inching by inch in Hollywood of making movies where the bad guy got away with it. See, those were really frowned upon. How many of you remember It's a Wonderful Life? Uh, that's the story of Jimmy Stewart and everybody takes care of him. How many of you realized that Mr. Potter actually stole $8,000 from the home uh, savings and loan. And nobody did anything to Mr. Potter about it. He got away with it. You know, people criticized that movie because of that. And for the first 40, uh, 20 or so years that the movie was out there, nobody watched it because it didn't make sense. How come the bad guy didn't get punished? And now it's like, Oh, we don't care. Uh, Jimmy Stewart and uh, whatever her name was are happy at the end of the movie and that makes it all great. That's our ethics. That is how we are perversified in our understanding of the world around us. It's how we are tainted by the philosophies that govern our society today. You see, in God's justice, every deed is set out in the blazing light of His holiness. If you want to understand why you need to be born again, this is why. God doesn't hide our sins. He doesn't put them under the carpet. He doesn't pretend they don't exist. He does not accept any payment for sin but death. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. Amen? And so we come here as Moses uh, was writing. He did not understand all of these things, but he was directed by the Holy Spirit to pen these words and to help us to see. In the first half of this psalm, we are... Faced with God's eternality versus man's temporalness, God's holiness and His perfect justice versus man's sinfulness. Then we get to verse 9. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We live under the wrath of God. Except for the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? then all of that wrath that you and I deserved and desperately earned by committing our sins is transferred to Jesus Christ. And we are free. And so our life is a tale that is told. We're, we've reached the tipping point of the, of the psalm here. Now we're going to deal with God versus man in the meaning and the understanding and the living of life. Because God did not create us. God did not establish His local church to just be a story. He, he wants it to be real and He wants things to happen in people's lives. And we get to the second half of this psalm here and we start in verse 10. The days of our years are threescore and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. How many of you read the book of Ecclesiastes? Real encouraging book, isn't it? Uh, there's a few encouraging verses in there, yes. 
Uh, there's a few challenges in there that we need to pay attention to, but the main part of the book of Ecclesiastes is Song of Solomon, uh, Solomon, sorry, uh, not Song of Solomon, but Solomon lamenting this truth right here. He says, I'm going to die, and all these things that I've attained to, I'm turning over to my son, and he's a jerk. Read, read it. That's what he says. Well, I'm going to challenge you. Why wasn't Solomon, why wasn't Rehoboam the man that, Solomon, that he should have been? It was because of Solomon spent too much time taking care of Solomon. Solomon did not do the things that needed to be done. And we're going to touch on that. You see, if all we have, look at verse 11. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. If we were to stop this psalm right here, it would lead us to despair and to fatalism. How long are you going to live? How much can you change? How, how effective can the life of one man be? James put it this way in chapter 4, verse 14, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You know, many people have fallen into this thought process of despair and, and fatalism. That, well, whatever's going to be is going to be. I'm just going to try to get what I can out of this life and then I'm gone. Uh, you live so many days and then you die. That's, that's all there is. And I want you to understand something. It says, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. You can fear God, or you will endure His wrath. One of the two. You either obey Him, or be judged by Him. Verse 12. Here is the contrast. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Here's what the psalmist, here's what Moses is telling us. If it were just up to you, there's nothing you can accomplish. But it's not up to you. It's up to God. So ask God to give you the ability to number your days, and God's wisdom is there. James chapter 1, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. Amen? Uh, the, the truth is there, and we can have it. Now, I love verse 13 and 14. Return, O Lord, how long? Now, wait a minute. Do you remember verse 3? Thou turnest man to destruction, and say, Return, ye children of men. God set this thing up. So that we will die and our bodies will go into the ground and return unto the dust. And Moses is here saying, okay, God, we understand you have this pattern of life and death and that we are all going to end and we're all going to die and go back into the ground to become the dust from where we came. But Lord, I want you to return. I want you to come back again. Lord, I want you to live out the pattern that you have set up in giving mercy and forgiveness. Do you see the contrast there that Moses is trying to get us to see? He says, Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy service. O satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. I don't have to live in despair. I understand that in the scope of world history, they're not even going to devote a sentence to Open Door Bible Baptist Church. That is my life's work. Honestly and truly. But that's okay. Because the wisdom of God is not the wisdom of man. 
And God tells us in the book of Ephesians, we're going to get through this on Thursday nights, that He has seated us in heavenly places and that He wants to use eternity to show His glory in our lives. Do you, do you get that? We're not going to get even one period in a, cent, in a history book written by man. But God is going to make a display of each life, of each member, and of our church to get praise and glory to Himself from what He does. You see, I can understand that my life has purpose and my service has a reason because it can bring glory to the God of heaven. And I will rejoice in what the Lord tells me to rejoice in instead of trying to seek the notoriety of man. If you'll stop and think of it, I doubt there's anyone in this auditorium here who can tell me who won the World Series in 1954. I see the wheels turning in some of their heads. But even if you could tell me who won the World Series, could you tell me who the winning pitcher was? You would have to be quite the sports fanatic to have all of that material right there on your fingertips now, wouldn't you? That's the glory of this world. It passes away. Every once in a while you'll hear, Oh, so-and-so died. Uh... It was supposed to be some famous movie star. And no one even knows the movies that they start unless you watch old movies. Uh, you, you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't know who they were or what they were. Listen. Look at verse 15. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Now, this is Moses writing. We don't know what time Moses saw, uh, wrote this psalm. He, he may have written it during the 40 years wandering. He may have written it at the very end of the 40 years, or he could have written it at the very beginning to give the children of Israel another song to sing. And this is where, where this came from, was teaching through singing uh, of songs and hymns about God. But the children of Israel were slaves in the land of Egypt. That wasn't a pleasant thing. But they could certainly rejoice in God's deliverance, couldn't they? We should never rejoice in wrong decisions and sin in our life. But we should certainly be thankful to God for His forgiveness. Amen? The children of Israel, after they had sinned and been removed out of their land, they came back and they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem and they heard the word of God for the first time in 60 or 70 years and they wept. What was the answer? Neither be ye sad nor weep for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, we need to understand here that God judged us, verse 7 and 8. He has set all of our iniquities before Him. He's, he, there is not one little sin that God has not examined in your life. Every one. But He's forgiven me through the blood of Jesus Christ. That should give me joy each and every day. I don't know if you've had this happen or not, but the devil sometimes, just like an old crow, wants to sit on your shoulder and remind you of all your failures and all your shortcomings and that you haven't, uh, you, you're paying for what you did. No, I'm not. Jesus forgave me. And I can't go to hell. Every once in a while, somebody will say, give me out track and they'll say, Go to hell. And if I have opportunity, I say, can't do it. I always get, I get the strangest looks. I can't. 
And there is my rejoicing. There is the source of my joy. God knows every sin, every failure. And He still loves me. In fact, He put me on this course knowing failures that would come. And I can trust Him to get me through the storms of life. Amen? And in that, we have joy and we have... Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Now look at verses 16 and 17. We're almost done. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. Let thy work appear unto thy servants. Uh, I can't tell the whole story. There's just not enough time. But I remember just praying and praying about the Lord using me to start a church in New York City. And I remember going to Brother Clayton and talking with him. And he just looked at me with the saddest face I've ever seen. And said, that means you're leaving me, doesn't it? I said, I don't want to leave you, Brother Clayton. Man, I was almost ready to cry. I'm a man not supposed to do those things. He said, but if that's God's will, then you can't travel with me. That was hard. But you got to do what's right. God's, how we found a story, Brother Clayton and I found a story now, don't ask me how we did this. You couldn't do this. I couldn't do this on purpose. We were in Long Island and we were trying to find Woodhaven and somehow we ended up in Astoria. You figure that one out. We stayed on the Grand Central way too long, I'm sure is what happened. Uh, but we're driving up and down the streets here and Brother Clayton goes, Wow, this would be a great place to start a church. I registered that, and I started talking to pastors in the area. And they said, well, there's, there's never been a church in Astoria like our, there's never been an independent Baptist church. Uh, there's been Baptist churches, yes, but not an independent one. And uh, I worked with Brother Clayton another year and a half after that before we even started talking about separation. But I was checking with other preachers, and they were saying, wow, that's a great place. Somebody needs to start a church. Well, it says the work of the Lord shall appear, doesn't it? Got a phone call during a revival meeting saying, Hey, I hear you're looking for a building. Well, yeah, uh, we got one for you. Got a synagogue on 35th Street. And this is what I told her. I said, I'll bet they want a million dollars for it. He said, no, no, actually it's been appraised at 1.2. And I said, you got the wrong guy. Ha, ha, ha. And hung up the phone on him. Just like, I mean, I was rude. But uh, fortunately for us, the real estate guy thought money was more important than my rudeness. Amen. And, and uh, but I started thinking about it. And the last night of that revival meeting, we had just failed in our fifth attempt to purchase a building. We, it, it did not meet the specifications. We could not deal with the building department and, and make it into a church. And so the week before the revival, I said, listen, we got a revival meeting coming up here. we got a group coming in from upstate New York to help us. Brother Clayton's going to be our preacher. Uh, uh, I said, uh, the Marshall family's coming up to do music. I said, we just need to forget about this building thing and concentrate on rejoicing in the Lord and reaching people. The last night of that meeting, Brother Clayton, Brother Marshall, and I came over here and we laid our hands on one of those light posts out there and prayed about this building. God gave it to us. Seven years, we paid it off completely. Miracle after miracle. The synagogue gave us a $600,000 mortgage at 0% interest. How do you figure that out? 
I'll tell you how you figure it out. The work of the Lord shall appear. And some of you were here in 1999 when we were only $150,000 short on our second building payment. Talk about terrifying. We only had three payments, but they were $200,000 a whack. So uh, it, was, it was pretty steep. But God miraculously provided each step of the way. Then we had the privilege of sending Brother Newberger over to Greenpoint. How many of you remember that rental place in the rope factory? Oh, I remember telling Brother Mike, there is nothing good going to happen here. Uh, I mean, God has to build His church. We understand that. But I'm not even sure the Lord's going to build something here. Well, what happened was North Brooklyn stayed alive long enough for union to get in crisis and the Lord put everything together one step at a time. You know, sometimes you just got to get out of God's way. And I, I remember just going through our, our numbers, sitting in an office here going, we're, we're actually paying our own bills. We don't need support anymore. We still had two years to pay off the building. See, for the previous eight years, I'd written a prayer letter nearly every month, every other month. And I ended every one of those prayer letters, please pray that God will establish a self-supporting church in Astoria. Then I got to write the one I liked the most. You don't have to support us anymore. Because we are a self-supporting church. And then came the miracle where we paid back to missions all the money that was donated to our church. Over $800,000. Now, it took us 20 years to get it done. But all of that money went into missions. Now we're way past the million dollar mark. That's pretty cool. Because now we're paying interest. You see, and not to the churches, but to the work of the Lord. You see, the work of the Lord, let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. I'm sorry, but I just have to talk a little bit, because my son is now the pastor at a community Baptist church. And Mr. Don agreed to our terms, and by God's grace, the first week in November, we're going to close on the building out there. We've only got one issue left, the oil tank. Pray for us on that. It could be a sticky. And so we've got to do some investigation and, and things like that. But, you see, the whole purpose is the Lord's work. We didn't go looking for Community Baptist. He came looking for us. And it hasn't been fun, but it's been good. And God's doing some good things there. Amen? And moving. And you see, that's the Lord's work. And then we get to this last one. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. See, there's a lot of things you can say about different ministries. They had a big Christian school. They had a big orphanage. They had this. They had that. They did this. They did that. I'll tell you, there's only one thing I ever want to be said about Open Door Bible Baptist Church. That we helped other churches get started. Both here in the United States and all over the world. You know why? Because that's the Lord's work we got a missions conference coming up. You know what? The Lord's done some really great things in the past. But if He's going to continue doing great things, He's still going to have to establish the work of our hands. Amen? If we're going to see churches started, He's still going to have to do it. You know, we, we need men. Really and truly, Andrew 
shouldn't have to be out at Community Baptist Church until after he's married and all of these things. But uh, we'll, we'll just trust the Lord that he's doing things his way in his time, that he will establish the work of his hands, and that we can glorify the Lord and be pleased and be happy. You know, uh, I've often tried to figure out, what can we do? Someone has often said, aren't you just proud? Uh, uh, Andrew preached up a storm Tuesday morning, Buckley Road. Wow, it was, I mean, I'm just sitting there, tears running down my face, trying not to let anybody know, but I mean, just preached a storm. I'm sitting here going, boy, I wish I could preach like that. He's got them big old long arms and stuff, and I mean, just stretches out. I mean, just, Wow. But you know what the word the Bible used? God uses the word pleased. That's the word God uses. And, you know, our tale isn't finished yet. But I'll I'll tell you this. If we're not careful, read Revelation 2 and 3. We, we can lose a lot. But if we'll let the Lord do His work and let Him establish the work of His hands, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You this morning. And Lord, we ask that the words of this psalm would be true in our lives and in the life of our church. And Lord, that you would work at Union Baptist Church in Greenpoint, Morris Park Bible Baptist Church in Morris Park, Bronx, the Community Baptist Church in Riverhead, in Cornerstone Bible Baptist in Fleshman's is... Lord, we've had a part in the organization or reorganization of each of these churches. Lord, we just ask that your beauty would be upon your church and that people would be able to see the truthfulness and the holiness of your word, that we'd be able to look past personality and problems that are Uh, human in their source and origin. And Lord, that you would establish the work that you have given us. And when it's all said and done, though we may never be recognized by the history books on, on earth, we have no desire for that anyway but that your name would be lifted up and glorified in what you have done. Lord, that our tale would be a good one. That our tale would be one of those ones that people want to hear again and again and hear over again. Lord, there are many stories out there like that. And we're asking you that our tale would be one that would bring honor and glory to the God who is God from everlasting to everlasting. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll take our hymn books, 301.